Whatever, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Two Smart Dummies podcast. As always, I'm your host, Marcus. With me, co-host, B. Reed. What's up, man? What's up, man? How's it going? Huh? I don't like the weather. I hate cold weather. I want it to be hot again. But other than that, pretty good. That's where we differ, my friend. I uh, moved out of Arizona for a reason. I hate being hot. Um, So I'm ready for the fall weather. That the South is going to bring me, so we'll see how it goes. Um, other than that, got to see Tiger Woods win a tournament for the first time in five years. Uh, He's back off of steroids. It takes, some, it takes a while <laughs> to recover, man. Once those steroids get them out your system, cleanse it, get that back right. <laughs> Finally cycled off for good, I guess. Uh, that means he had a lot in his system. <laughs> so it looks like my football season is over. Um, we'll touch on that a little bit. I mean, Arkansas stinks. The Raiders stink. Um so I don't watch much football nowadays. I'm just gearing up for the NBA season. So um, that said, man, what stuck out to you over the weekend? You know, we had a lot of a lot of things that stuck out over the weekend with the games. I mean, but the biggest thing going right now is that college transfer redshirt rule. That's the most interesting thing right now. If you didn't notice today, they said that Kelly Bryant has announced to Clemson that he's going to transfer. I think that's kind of big news for Clemson and college football uh, landscape in general. You look you looked at any? Yeah, he said it was a slap in the face that he got demoted. Um, but apparently Arkansas has a chance to get him um, because, I mean, I don't know what kind of relationship he has with Chad Morris, but Chad Morris has a strong connection to Clemson. Um, so if that's the case, that looks like a bright future for the Razorbacks next year as far as the quarterback position goes. Well, before we go too much further, I just want to make sure everyone understands what happened. Um, this summer – they changed the transfer rule. Before, you had to get permission from your coach. So there was a lot of controversy with kids because coaches were holding kids back that weren't even playing. So they couldn't transfer or saying they could only transfer to a couple of schools. You may have saw like the Baker Mayfield thing as a walk-on. So what they did was they went back and they changed the rule that says that kids can now transfer without getting permission. Now, you still are subject to penalties if you transfer within your, uh, within your conference. But outside, all you have to do is tell, tell the college, tell the school you're playing for that you want to transfer. Within two days, they have to put you in a system, and then you're like a free agent. Coaches can contact you. You're, you're basically opening your recruiting up again. But also to go with that, they changed the red shirt rule where you can play up to four games and still, um, still keep your red shirt. So you're seeing that play out now because I think there's like five or six starters that I've seen. I think two from Auburn. I know one from Arkansas, Kelly Bryant's transferring to preserve his senior year. Um, they said it transfers over college football is up 13.3%, which doesn't sound like a lot, but you're talking about the whole of college football, all those schools outside of power five, it's up 13.3%. So I think it's only going to go up more with these new rules. Yeah. I mean, it's a real benefit for, um, you know, kind of a game changer. You can almost use it as um, an injured reserve sort of if you got a a dynamite freshman on the bench um, who, you know, you just want to see what you have for four games and then then sit them down for next year. I mean, it is a real game changer. And I'm I'm glad that, you know, um, I'm glad that these kids have an opportunity to get out of bad situations that, um, you know, because things change and, and coaches can leave at any minute. And I think players should be able to do the same. Yeah, well, it, 
The one thing about it, though, you're hearing coaches come out and say that this was not the intent of the rule. So this is kind of unintended consequences. I think more of the intent is what you're saying. I mean, you recruit three, you know, number one quarterbacks and then you get your starter. I think the coaches thought that this would benefit them. But now they're seeing it work against them because this is week four. No, week five. Last week. Is this week four or week five? This is week five coming up. This is week five. So kids have already played their four games. So now they have a decision to make this week. Do you want to play in the next game? And some haven't played. So you'll see this play out throughout the season. But the unintended consequence of this rule is, yeah, you can start me as a freshman, junior, whatever, but maybe I don't like your system. So now I'm going to transfer. That's what you're seeing. I saw a kid from Oklahoma State that's his senior year. He doesn't think he's getting enough snaps. He's transferring. But there was a, there was a couple of freshmen or sophomores, I believe, at Auburn that transferred, and that's just I don't like the system. They didn't plan for that, and it's it's, it's really shaking these coaches up. Good, because that's what college football needs is a shake-up, damn it. Um, I agree. You know, I think that these, you know, not paying the athletes is a separate thing, but I think that committing to a school for four years um, – you know, as we said, you know, when coaches change every other year in some programs or every three years and, and you know, a new coach comes in, it, it's it's tough to be able to hold a kid accountable for a four-year contract or a four-year scholarship when, you know, especially at some of these stepping stone programs like a Houston. I mean, how many coaches have they gone through in the last, you know, decade um, or FAU or, or, U, or, or Central Florida or anything like that? So I, I definitely yeah. think that. You know, you're going to start to see a lot more player movement, which I, I actually think is good for college football. Yeah, I love the I love the player movement. Um, I'm actually sitting back waiting for Jalen Hurts to announce that he's going to transfer. I don't know why he's still sitting on Bama's bench. Yes, you're on Bama, but if you've lost your job and you still have eligibility to play, because I believe he started as a freshman, so he could redshirt and still have about two years left to start for a school. Right. So I don't understand why he hasn't announced yet, but this is a big rule. And I think this is just the start because, I mean, in the first year of any rule, I don't know if any player understands the freedom that they have. Some kids, I mean, I don't want to nah, well, we know. Some kids are smarter than others. Some kids make better business decisions than others. But they're getting smarter. You see kids taking care of their business a lot better than they did in the past. So next year, I think this number is going to skyrocket up. I think this is about to change recruiting, lying to these kids, telling them they have a chance, and then sitting them on the bench. You can't do that anymore. <laughs> they have, you, you're giving players a lot more control, and I think that's what's needed in college football. If you're not going to pay me and you're going to use me, then I at least need to be in control of my own destiny. I don't need to have to ask the um, – the coach if I can transfer because he's not playing me that's giving the coach way too much control over the kids so I love the new rules yeah I, I absolutely agree I think I think the NCAA is the biggest you know group of crooks you know in in the sports industry I mean you have a, 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 an industry that's making or, or an organization that's making billions of dollars off the backs of kids i mean it's basically free or slave labor i mean and uh, i don't like to use a slave labor. i mean I, i'm just saying you I can mean, you can say all it's you still want an audition to. it's an interview i mean if i'm gonna go to be a computer programmer i gotta go to school for free or i gotta go pay to go to school in order to get a job so right yes. but they but a computer programmer has the opportunity to make money throughout his college career whereas college athletes don't these kids are literally you know working and risking their body for free and you can you can say that yeah. Oh, well, they get a, a, a degree. There's a lot of motherfuckers out there that are un with degrees that are unemployed and can't find jobs. You know that. So a degree don't mean but shit. There's today. also there's a lot of motherfuckers that can't even afford to go to school and can't get um 
can't qualify for financial aid, so they are getting a free education. Some of these schools, those educations can be up to $100,000. And disputing while you're that. getting your education, you also get free room and board, which that shit's expensive as hell. I went to college on my own dime, so I know. So you can't just brush that off, right, getting but, the free education but let, per but diems and stuff. let's be honest, stuff. though. I mean, a lot of these kids can't even afford food. Uh, you know, so it, it's a different thing. They're, uh, they're, I don't know. I think that's exaggerated because I, I know when I went to school – College football players, they had their own dorm, they had their own cafeteria, and they ate the best on campus. And they can, and you know, they have their own diet plan. So I don't know, maybe during the summer, if you're not a star player and you're not getting per diem, but I would challenge anybody that says they're on the team and they're not eating. I've met a few guys, I, I know a few guys who are on uh, or who were college athletes. Know him personally, who said, "Yeah, there were times to where you, you did not get enough to eat because your schedule is so set. So a lot of these places on campus are open after a certain time during the day. Either way, I mean, we're, we're getting that, that's a too true. far. That's like, true. I'm, I'm just thinking about having opportunity. But yeah, you're right. There are a lot of things that is a, that are available on campus does shut down at a certain time. And, ke- and, and keep in mind, like the BS. argument that you know a p- computer bro- program or your everyday student, your everyday student." is not generating a billion dollars for um, for your university. The reason that these universities are so nice, the reason that the University of Arkansas is so nice is because of the football team. That's where all the money is made. That's where all the revenue is driven is from the majority of college football, um, the athletic programs in particular, football and basketball drive the majority of the revenue that comes onto these campuses. So again, you're making billions and billions of dollars off of the backs of kids who don't see a dime of that. And they're not even able to make money off their own name. And furthermore, when a school wins a national championship, everybody gets paid. The coaches get paid. This, the administration gets paid. The, uh, the, the professors at the school get a bonus. Like everybody gets a bonus, but these kids. So, Anything that is in their favor, I'm always going to agree with. I'm I'm more of the union guy, not the uh, not the guy who who's making billions of dollars. Well, I'm not arguing that. I'm just arguing the concept of slave labor and these kids aren't getting anything because we both know you can go to the smallest bowl that you can think of, and these kids are getting packages and backpacks full of you know gifts, um, free merchandise. The stars are. Not all. I mean, you got some some lower levels. You get per diems for going on those trips. You get lower. I mean, you get stuff. You get gift cards, three, four hundred dollar gift cards. I mean, you get things as an athlete that are that are legal. So I'm just saying the part. I'm not saying it's fair. I agree with everything you're saying, but I don't like when people say, "Oh, it's slave labor," because these kids are getting things. It's not what they're worth. That's what we're saying. Right. Correct. Absolutely. But um, that's a little bit on the rule. Let's talk about Kelly Bryant specifically for Clemson. Do you think he got a fair shot? Do you think they're that that they're treating him fairly? I mean, this was the kid that they were saying was better than Deshaun Watson. Um, yeah. That Deshaun that he was going to go back and break all of Deshaun Watson, who was supposedly Michael Jordan, according to uh, Dabo Sweeney. Uh, <laughs> they were going to break that Kelly Bryant was going to break all his records. So, I mean, yeah, he struggled out the the gate as has Clemson, and uh, you know. At the end of the day, yeah, if you're going to be, I mean, you got to do what you got to do because unfortunately Clemson and Dabo Sweeney is in the Alabama and Ohio State stratosphere now to where we expect, 
you to be competing for championships year in and year out. And in college football, you can't really afford too many bad games because a loss can easily knock you out of uh, that championship quest. So um, I can see it from both sides. I think that, you know, as a, as a head coach who's judged that way, you kind of have to play the best players. And if you're, if you know, we're in week going into week five, and if you haven't played well the first four weeks, I might as well see what else I have sitting on the bench. See, I don't like it. This is why I don't like it, because he came in and he did what he was supposed to do. I agree with Kelly Bryan. He said he came in, he sat behind Deshaun Watson. Even if he felt like he was a better player, he should have been playing. That's subjective. Um, He could have felt like when Watson was there, Watson struggled at time, and he didn't get that same opportunity. But he sat, he waited his turn. Last year he played, no matter if he struggled or what. They went to the college football player playoffs where he lost to Alabama. Well, Deshaun Watson lost to Alabama the first time he played them also. Deshaun Watson came out the next season, and Deshaun Watson struggled. They had a bad loss. I can't remember who it was. Who it was I think two. it was Pittsburgh. Yeah, they had a bad loss too, but they still made it. So the thing is, is he sat behind Watson. Then he beat out the number one quarterback in the nation that Clemson recruited in a quarterback competition. He he went to the college football uh, playoff. He's 16-2 and two as a starter. He earned the right as a senior to play through those struggles. And I don't think in four games that you can – I think this is protecting – protecting your number one recruit, which I, I agree. Trevor Lawrence, I think, is more talented. I think he's a good recruit. Um, but I believe that the reason why they did this is because of the four-game rule. They were scared that Trevor Lawrence would have left because I believe he was promised the job or promised the competition. If he felt like he was winning and you don't give him a chance to start, then you can lose him. So it's a shitty situation for Kelly. But as a coach, I think Dabo understood the landscape and he was willing to lose Kelly as opposed to Trevor. It's shitty for Kelly. It's going to change recruiting as we know it. But I do commend Kelly for not Kelly, uh, I do commend Dabo for being ahead of the curve and understanding the environment because that's something that uh, Sumlin did not, and he lost his job for it. He lost recruits for it. Um, it's just a shitty. It's a shitty draw for Kelly though. This is senior year, man. No, I agree. Um, and the the difference with Sumlin is, I mean, can, Kevin Sumlin just wasn't winning games. Hell, he ain't winning games now at the University of Arizona. <laughs> but um, you know. That that's what the, we're talking about. Two different levels of coaching here, but yeah, I, I agree. I, I think I think they're both making the right move because if you have the number one quarterback in the nation, then I mean that kid needs to play. I would rather. I mean, one way or the other, this is your last year of Kelly Bryant, so um, it, you got to make a move. And like you said, I'd rather have three years at a minimum to hopefully four years of Philip Lawrence than I would. Yeah, one year of Kelly Bryant. Trevor Lawrence. Is it Trevor Lawrence? Trevor Lawrence, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah Trevor Lawrence. Um, so I, 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 I think both of them are making the right move. Well, I know one thing you do, you would hate to happen, and this is I know Dabo is thinking about this. What if next game Trevor Lawrence goes? Now, God forbid it happens. If Trevor Lawrence goes down, then this is, this is going to be scrutinized a lot if Trevor Lawrence goes down because it's hot. I say that it's because of the um, four-game rule. But at the end of the day, Kelly Bryant's a senior, and you have more incentive for Trevor Lawrence to say, okay, I'll go ahead and sit redshirt or whatever and keep him in the program than you do of losing Kelly Bryant and then Trevor Lawrence goes down and you don't have a quality backup. That could that could devastate your season. But thinking long-term, I mean, I, I understand thinking long-term. What would you think of the college football games this, this, um, this weekend? Any of them stand out to you? You know what? Um, Arkansas is so bad. 
um, that woo pig suey. Yeah, they. I, I I didn't expect much from them this year, but I did not expect them to be this bad. So um, myself, kind of like maybe a lot of others out there, when my team isn't good, I don't really care about college football. Just like in the NFL, uh, you know. So um, I kept an eye on a few games. I think Texas is really kind of turn things around it seems I they're mean, they looking scared they were looking they beat tcu uh, pretty convincingly um you know so i, I think that's a team that's going to be fun when, when college football is better when texas is good um, I, um go ahead i just think i think more eyeballs <laughs> are on the screen when, when when your staples are good so uh um, but other than that no I, I didn't watch a ton of college football over the weekend yeah i mean um let me touch on arkansas Arkansas, I think this is good for Arkansas. One thing that kind of, I believe, can hold coaches back is when you come in and then the players there are too good and then you don't really get to get your system going. I think being really bad this year would be good for Chad Morris because he didn't recruit any of these players. And if you follow Arkansas at all, that was one of the big the big um, complaints about Billima is that he wasn't recruiting good recruiting classes. So I don't. I don't know how good people expected Arkansas to be with the recruits that don't fit his system at all and weren't even good for the last coach. So you had to expect this a little. Kids transferring out, getting rid of You just open up scholarships or he'll bring something in, some other talent in. Well, the one thing that I do want to say, you know, is being a Razorback fan, one thing that I don't like to see, and we saw this for the last home game against North Texas, was I don't like to see fans booing the team. Um, yeah, they, the, the team stinks. They do. But I think that if you want to get better – you can't boo the team, especially at home, um, because that that is one thing that affects recruiting. I mean, if, if and it's it was week three, so there's probably no recruits coming on campus that early. But if that's the case, they see that it's a bad product on the field, and if they see that a fan that the fans are going to have a half empty stadium, and those you know four thousand people that are there are going to boo them. You're not going to land top recruits that way. So that's one thing. Listen, if you're a passionate college football fan for your team. Leave the booing at home. Talk your shit at home. But you need to do everything in your power to say, hey, win or lose, you know, your fan base is behind you. Um, and because Well, that's that's going to be another thing we disagree on because I pay for a ticket. I pay for a season tickets. I pay for whatever. And I want to see effort on, this, on the field. I don't care if you're bad. I know that there's a rebuilding season. But I can say I'm not an Arkansas fan, but I don't like Arkansas's effort. I don't know if that's coaches. I don't know if that's players. I don't know if he's lost a team. But you can't tell me that you like the effort that the Razorback players are putting on the field. No, I mean, I, I honestly, I don't like the defensive coordinator that they got in John Chavis. I mean, he couldn't stop anybody at Texas A&M with five-star recruits. What the hell is going to make me think he can do it with – and that's the thing. Arkansas isn't getting five-star recruits. We're getting two and three stars, maybe a four-star here and there. But Everybody Bill him a wanted. Well, I mean, but that's always <laughs> been the case. Now, it's whether But, not, I mean, that's what he said. That's the yeah. joke. I get every recruit I go after. Right. You're and only going after two stars. The problem and... with Bill is he couldn't even win his own damn state. Um, yeah. which is also a problem with Mike Anderson right now. You know, you got the best talent in, in the in the state going to the Kentuckys, going to the Vanderbilts of the world. You know, I'm talking about Malik Monk and a couple others. So, um, Yeah, but, but Mike makes the tournament, so whatever you say about Mike, he's consistent. He's consistent in making the tournament. So at least if even though he's not winning the state, not getting the recruits, you may or may not like it. Mike comes down and say, I get everybody I want. I get everybody that fits my system. It's hard to argue because Mike has made the tournament. I think he's the only one of the only coaches. Some stat. I don't want to misquote, but he's one of the best at getting his team to the tournament. 
And Arkansas has been to the tournament what the last three years in a row. Uh two year, two of the last three years, two of the, yeah. three of the last four, basically. Yeah, three of the last four. I mean, that's pretty consistent, and that's something that wasn't happening before Mike Anderson. So don't get, you know, don't get too comfortable saying, "Oh, Mike Anderson is not doing this and that because he's doing better than what was happening after Nolan left." Now, I I, I agree with that, but my my point is, you're you're not going to be and basketball is different because you have you know way less players, but in football, I mean, you have to win your state. You have to win your state. You can't let your best recruits go to Auburn. You can't let your best recruits go to Alabama. You just can't do it. Um, so hopefully Chad Morris with his Texas pipeline and, and and hopefully he can start to build an Arkansas pipeline. You'll start to see some better. By the way, we spent way too much time on the Razorbacks. <laughs> so uh, I'm not even going to continue that thought. Let's just move it along to someone else. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's interesting discussion overall about recruiting, but I agree. Nobody probably gives a shit about the Razorbacks. Very true. Um, now with Texas, you mentioned Texas. Um, I watched that Texas game since OU was playing on pay-per-view. $50 to see OU play Army. Even though it was a great game, I'm not playing fucking $50 for one game. Wait. That's neither here nor there. T- wait, tell me about this. I didn't know that was the case. Yeah, so one game a year, you know, Texas did their whole Longhorn Network. So part of the deal to save um, the Big 12 was OU got to start their own network. So one game out of the year, it's usually one of those non-conference games that they don't care about broadcasting on FS1 or ESPN or something. It's a pay-per-view game. This, this game last week was the OU versus Army game which was on pay-per-view. For one game to watch, that is $49.95 to watch the game on FS1 pay-per-view. Now, they did stream. Somebody streamed it on Twitch. I didn't know that. I need to get more up on my technology. But I looked at that and was like, $50 to watch a game? That's out of my price point. Yeah, I paid $29.99. I might have done it. But $49.95 for a non-conference game? And it ended up being a great game. Well, I don't know how great it was because... Army held the ball for 45 minutes of the 60 minutes, so it probably wasn't a great game to actually watch, but it ended up being a good game. Yeah, that's some horse shit. I, uh, I'm with you. I wouldn't pay 50 bucks for... I don't pay 50 bucks for shit, so... Uh, yeah, yeah. That, it's, it's a scam. It's definitely a scam. Usually I don't care because it was just a... It's usually a game that nobody really cares about. Diehards watch it, but... I was actually interested in watching the Army game because I figured it would be a good game because OU struggles with stopping the run. And, you know, I was kind of right. But, yeah, Texas, man, Texas is looking dangerous. It's, look, it's looking like they're finding their rhythm. Um, Ellinger looks a lot more comfortable with those receivers. Those receivers are big. Those receivers are fast. If Ellinger can stay consistent and make good decisions, that Texas team can be dangerous. I mean, I like I like what I'm seeing from them. I'm scared that OU is going to have to face them against those big receivers. I don't know if their defense can consistently stop people, but that offense can be explosive. Yeah, we'll see. Um, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, I and just for the listeners out there, I, I warned y'all last week, and I'm telling you again, the football talk is about to take a real big back seat to the NBA. Uh, but before we get there. Uh, let's talk a little bit, man. Baker Mayfield, speaking of Oklahoma, uh, has been named the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. Um, I don't want to dive, dive too deep into the games that happened last week, um, just because, I mean, it, honestly, guys, it, it's week three going into week four of the NFL season. There ain't a lot of shit happening. Uh, <laughs> and by now, we all know, and, and it looks like no one in the NFL is any good with the exception of the Rams and the Chiefs. 
So um, I don't believe in the Chiefs because Andy Reid win eight games, lose eight, lose six games, go in ten and six, losing the first round. We've seen <laughs> this story for twenty years. So, um, but let's talk real quick, man. Baker Mayfield is that a game changer for the Browns, bro? I know everyone hasn't heard the lost tapes, but I've been pushing for Baker Mayfield to start for the Browns since day one. I believe that starting Tyrod Taylor was a playing not to lose strategy. That's the safest. That's the safe play. But Baker Mayfield is ready. Uh, I know that there's been this thing of bus quarterbacks and Browns drafting bus quarterbacks, but Baker Mayfield reads the field at an elite level. He's able to move within the pocket at an elite level. And he can change his platform from where he throws because he's a little shorter. So like Michael Vick, one of his problems was that he gets the ball batted down at the line a lot. Well, if you can change how you throw the ball, sidearm and make plays like Drew Brees, that's not as much of an issue. They're a lot better with Baker Mayfield because they have talent on the outside with wide receiver. You just have to – you can't have 24 yards and a half, man. That's just – it's sickening to watch, and they're one, one, and one. But I believe they can at least be two and one or three and zero. Oh. They could have won both of those games. They could have just moved the ball and not relied on that bum kicker they had. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, I think that that Baker. I and I, I was one of the guys not on the Baker train. I, I thought that uh, he was hype, but just watching his ball placement, and, you know, his accuracy, his spunk charisma i don't know what you want to call it like the he's way he's a winner man he's got he he reminds me a lot he's the closest thing i've seen to brett Favre since brett Favre. um you know well i don't know patrick mahomes is kind of in that category too right now for me but just as far as the electricity that they command when they walk into a huddle and then everything just changes so um you know maybe brett Favre for him is not a great example but definitely for patrick mahomes it is but um but, but, you know, have you ever thought about that those dudes were on the roster of Texas Tech at the same time? And both of those dudes are competitor. What they have is contagious, knowing that at any point in time they can make a play for you win games. Some of the best games I've watched in college football was OU Texas Tech, Baker Mayfield versus Patrick Mahomes. Those games were great. And I know people would look at them and be like, 68 to 64, that game, there were no defense played. But people are going to realize later that these were two elite quarterbacks playing in a game that shit was awesome yeah so i'm uh i'm excited to see uh what baker does and i think the browns are going to be a team that can make some noise this year i'm not saying they make the playoffs but i definitely think they make a little bit of noise um all right before still going nine wins uh that's i'm on on a nine wins bag and i've been saying it all summer nine wins that's probably accurate um let me ask you real quick does Jameis Winston play another snap for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Yes, he does. And the reason why is because we've seen this story from Fitzpatrick again. You've already seen the wheels start kind of coming off from Fitz. Um, but usually, you know, Fitz is a Fitz is Nick Foles. Great backup quarterback. If I could have any backup, it would be Fitz or Nick Foles, maybe Josh McCown. Um if you guys hadn't check, checked out Gridiron Heights, that's one of the best things smoking besides for, what's the NBA one called? Uh, uh, game of Zones. Yeah, Game of Zones. Those things on Bleacher Report are awesome. It's awesome. But anyways, yeah, Fitzpatrick, he's not built to play 15, 16 games. He's built for a six to eight game stretch to do well for you. But at some point, Jameis has to come back. I believe this is going to be great for Jameis to know that he's not secure um, they said this incident that he had was like two or three years ago. Everyone in the um, 
Tampa Bay organization said he's kept his nose clean since then. This is kind of the past coming back to haunt you. So I believe that Jameis will get another chance this year, probably by week six, because Fitz, Fitz is going to fall apart. You saw a little bit of it in the first half, but you're going to see more of it. The more he plays, the more it will come to light. I mean, he's the first quarterback to ever throw for 400 yards in, in uh, three consecutive games. Listen, I, I'm not a Fitzpatrick believer, but I do think the Bucks are ready to wash their hands of Jameis Winston. I don't think Jameis Winston is very good. I think that, you know, if you have a quarterback like Ryan Fitzpatrick, the offense just opens up more. That offense is dynamic with Fitzpatrick, and the defense has been playing pretty well. They need to figure out what the hell they're going to do in that running game. Uh, but other than that, that the team is really clicking with Fitzpatrick. I don't know that unless Fitzpatrick gets hurt, I honestly I don't see them go. I don't think Jameis Winston plays another down for the for the Buccaneers because a I don't think they want to pay him next year or moving forward, and b I just think they're ready to wash their hands of him. See, I don't because I I listen to Booger McFarland and I trust everything he says, <laughs> and they and he said that they love him. But you know what? I haven't seen Winston with these weapons because I believe Mike Evans was hurt last year. I believe Deshaun Jackson struggled. And Chris Godwin, he showed talent. But right now, Tampa Bay has an elite display of weapons that they hadn't had in a while. OJ, um, Howard, Winston. I, I think you got to give Winston a shot with that talent. I mean, because he can still throw the ball, and we hadn't seen him with that core of talent yet. I want to see Winston with that talent before I wash my hands. And I think Tampa Bay does too. Because if it's true that he's kept his nose clean over the past two years and this is something from the past when they knew he had trouble, then you have to give him a shot. And you want to know that before you let him hit the open market. Yeah, we'll see. I'm not the biggest Jameis fan. I think he's in that category of Mariota, Carr, Winston. Like, just not a. Those, those, that was supposed to be the future of the NFL, and all three of them seem to be bums for one reason or another. So. Uh, Carr does not have weapons. I'm gonna keep repeating it. Carr, you as a quarterback, man, you have to have weapons. Carr does not have weapons. Jared Cook and Cooper is not enough. Well, Cooper's not weapons. a number one receiver, but Jordy well, I mean, Nelson but, is serviceable. But you've learned, but you've learned that Cooper is better moving him around the formation, playing in the slot. That's his spot. He's not an outside receiver. He's a. You have to move him around, use him in different ways. That's good. Jared Cook over the middle. I mean, it's serviceable, but you see, I mean, I mean it's kind of up and you down. You saw Jordy Nelson was running rampant against the Dolphins this week. I mean, the dude put up 100 and I think 80 something yards or some 140 something yards and a touchdown. And for whatever reason, we just didn't throw to him in the second half. Um, Amari Cooper because he's 147 years old. Amari Cooper gave up on routes during production. the game. Uh, it just I'm not going to stick too much on the Raiders. I just I don't I don't have much confidence in Carr. I, I'm in on Gruden. I think Carr stinks um, or is average at best, and I'm, I don't think that Amari Cooper is very good, not operating as a number one. If he's your number two or number three receiver, I think he can be dynamic. But until then, I'm out on all three of those quarterbacks. I think Mariota sucks. I think Winston sucks, and I think Carr sucks. So, um, Man, if you still had DHB oh, with yeah, Amari Cooper, that team be dynamic. Yeah, right. Another <laughs> – fast dude who can't catch that's exactly what the Raiders need all right man let's move it along here uh before we get to the NBA let's talk a little bit real quick about uh our boy Tiger I mean a a tournament he really dominated um but there are people out there who I guess uh Tiger Woods was asked this morning uh who his Mount Rushmore of golfers were and he put himself on the list which 
pretty fucking accurate. Um, but they're saying that yeah. Tiger's not on the list, uh, the, the Mount Rushmore of greatest golfers of all time. Is that That's absurd stupid. to you? That's totally stupid. How can the the Tiger Woods, he came in, he dominated, and he's had a down stretch. Well, I mean, everyone does. He has 14 majors. He's the second leading person in majors. And um, 80 to tournament Jack wins. Nicholson. 80 tournament wins. And just because he's been down a couple of years because of injuries, loss of confidence, if he never wins another tournament, another major, he's still second at 14. I mean, how could he not be on the Mount Rushmore? How could someone that's top two in majors not be on the Mount Rushmore? Right. And he had he had a ton of records that I think are starting to be broken, but those records were amazing. He broke records from years that was had stood for years. How could he not be on the Mount Rushmore? Yeah. That's ridiculous. So, I mean, and it's not even you want to take what he did off the the course as well. I mean, that dude puts eyeballs on the I mean, you watch him going to the whole to, to I, I think it was the 16th hole Sunday. There were, were a thousand people following Tiger. That golf when Tiger is not playing People do not watch. People don't well, watch. Golf, yeah, what he did for the sport of golf itself deserves, even if he only won like 10 majors, what he did for golf, for their ratings, for their contract, he made it mainstream. the attention that he, brought, that he brought, he deserves to be on the Mount Rushmore. Anyone says that, I would like to hear their argument. Golf. I mean, you, golf, just, don't, you just don't like them. Golf was a rich kid sport. I mean, it kind of it is still, but it was one of those things to where people who don't can't afford to play the nicest golf course started to really follow golf and root for tiger woods now just like any any other time he became a villain um but you know what again golf figured out real fast that they needed tiger woods because everyone that they put up whether it was uh rory mcelroy whether it was um dustin thomas whether it was jordan spieth they couldn't do what tiger did even if they were winning they couldn't maintain like tiger was um i mean tiger was feared if you were if you were in a a pair with him tiger was so feared and he commanded so much attention that i mean and he put eyeballs on the screen and and no one has been able to do that since and that's going to be the difference um it doesn't matter how much jordan spade or whoever wins is not putting eyes on the product like tiger did I mean, only person other than Tiger, I would say, would maybe be Phil. Phil put, uh, made people watch. The Phil-Tiger rivalry made people watch. I don't want to uh, get off subject, but doesn't this make the Phil-Tiger matchup for like $10 million way more interesting? Oh, now? absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Man, that's going to draw in so much money now. That's crazy. Thanksgiving Day is going to be tough for me sports-wise because <laughs> you've got – Football, you usually have a uh, no basketball is not usually they don't usually schedule games on Thanksgiving, but you have football, both college and professional football, and now you've got yep. this Tiger Woods fed or one on one playoff. I'm excited to see that. That was one. Of, that's genius. Whoever put that together is a genius because that's going to be a ratings boom. Two of the most popular players in the past what 20 years. Uh, they're they're going to be playing one on one in a one on one golf matchup. That's unheard of. That's I, I love it. I'm not even a golf fan, but I like I like shit like that. Yeah, I'll definitely be watching that. Um, Bigger question: Do you think the Tiger gets to 18? I mean, yeah. Do you think the Tiger gets to 18? 18 majors. I mean, Tiger yeah. is 41, I think. 41, 42. Phil Phil won two majors. Not Phil. Uh, Jack Nichol- Nicholas won two majors at 40, and he won his last major at 46. Yeah, I mean. 
it's kind of unheard of to win a ton after 40. I mean, yeah, you can, you'll win a couple, but I, I mean, honestly, man, I think from what I'm seeing from Tiger over the last few tournaments he's been in and I've been watching closely is Tiger is back and it took him a second, whether it was, I mean, he can't drive like he used to, but once the putt game started to come back around and he could trust his putter, Tiger's been in it. Um, and I, I do think, I think that, I don't know. I don't know. I think that he can get one or two more. I think if, if we watch next year, um, if he wins a major next year, then I, I do think that he'll win three more over the next few years. I, I do. So I, I, I'm, I'm fully confident he'll get it. And the reason why is because I feel like sometimes when athletes come in, they're so talented that they rely on their talent. Sometimes it's an NBA guard that's so quick and get to the hole, they never work on their jump shot. Or NFL player that's so fast that he never reads. Now, you got some that filter out. But it also helps you if you're great to develop your game. Like you said, Tiger used to drive the ball incredibly that would just make up for a lot of his flaws. Then he had the back injuries and his... The flaws started to show with his swing. I think it helped him to develop his all-around game, like his putting is better. So now that he has a more developed, mature game, I think Tiger over the next eight years, I think he'll definitely win four majors. I think you might see a resurgence from Tiger over this next four to eight years that you hadn't seen. It's not going to look like it did in 2000, but it's going to be a lot different, a lot more mature, a lot smarter. Well, it certainly certainly wouldn't shock me, and I'm, I'm definitely rooting for that to happen. Um, all right, man. Let's get to the let's get to the uh, the dessert. My favorite, um, Jimmy Butler to the Heat. Let's talk about it. So Jimmy Butler has decided that he no longer wants to play for the Timberwolves, and uh, his preferred destination is or, or preferred destinations are um, the New York uh, or excuse me, the Brooklyn Nets, the L.A. Clippers, the Miami Heat, um, or the Knicks. Well, I think the Knicks and Nets have been kind of taken out of the mix. The Knicks came and said something like they're not they're not involved, and then the Nets have always kind of been up in the air linked to the Kyrie thing. So right now, I believe we're down to the Clippers and Heat. Well, here's the problem. The Miami Heat don't have a ton of young assets, nor do they have a pick to give in 20, 2021. And the Clippers don't have a, a pick to give – until 2022 and they're not willing to move on either of their rookie uh, uh, pieces that they drafted this year so the thing that minnesota the the pickle that they're in is do you really just want to accept a poo-poo platter just because he wants to be traded um you have no choice i mean you have no leverage in a situation because he can opt out so you're gonna lose he's pretty much telling you people thought that about Kawhi leonard too yeah but Kawhi is different this is why Kawhi is different. Kawhi is different because he plays for the Spurs, and the Spurs, they're a smart organization. We can both agree that Minnesota, they're idiots. Right now, they're in, they're feuding with the owner, the owner, GM, and coaches, because the GM and coach, doesn't they don't want to trade Jimmy Butler. The owner's coming out and saying, pretty much, fuck what they say, we're trading them. So right now, you can see that there's a problem right there. He's already said he's not reporting for training camp. He, he, he's taking their leverage by saying that he only will resign with certain teams and you want to get something back. So, so if you're Minnesota, you gave up Zach Levine, Laurie Markkinen, and Chris Dunn for a year of Jimmy Butler. That's why Tibbs should be fired. <laughs> I mean, I agree. I agree. You know, but you know, um, you got Zach Levine. You got to look at it as Zach Levine was in a restricted free agency or free agency. You knew you weren't going to resign him. 
So that's kind of a wash. You're trying to get something out of it. Chris Dunn, I think they had given up on Chris Dunn. He had years left. No, but Tibbs I, gave up on Chris Dunn because yeah, he doesn't yeah. know how to coach rookies. Uh, yeah, and he, I mean, that's, I agree. But so basically what you lost was you lost Chris Dunn and a draft pick. I'm not even going to say marketing because Minnesota has been trash at scouting and drafting for years. So I don't even know if they would have made the right decision in taking marketing. So I'm not even going to claim marketing, even though that's what the Bulls take. So you got to look at it kind of differently. But in these trades, whenever they give up their leverage, you're not going to get much out of it. I mean, you're not, especially if you're not willing to take on salary. See, I disagree. I think that if you are a team that is, I mean, you look at Toronto, for example. I mean, they needed to blow up what they had. And they're in a situation to where, you know what, we'll go all in on Kawhi because we're going to blow it up anyway. So if this doesn't work and Kawhi decides not to re-sign or we don't get to the finals, we were going to blow this up anyway. And I think that you have a couple teams out there that could say the same thing. It's like, you know what, we could, we might blow this up anyway. Let's get Kawhi in here. We'll see what we can do. Maybe we make the finals. Maybe we make a deep run in the playoffs. Maybe he loves his city. And he resigns. If not, we were gonna blow it up anyway. So, you know, if you're now, every team does have one or two things to do that. Though. Demar Derozan, you either have to be a winning team, right? A team that has a, a winning organization that's willing to do it, or you have to be a team on that list. Because if you get a player like Kawhi that showed he was willing to sit out, or a team like or a, pl- a player like Jimmy who's shown that he can be a locker room problem if he's not happy then you're taking a big risk with your organization. And I don't know that there's many teams left that's willing to take that risk on Jimmy Butler. So let's talk about that. If Are, are there some targets out there that if, if you were that organization that you would say, ah, screw it, you know what, what we have isn't working or we're close, but we don't, we, we're Jimmy Butler away from a deep playoff run or making the playoffs, we'll bet on it. And if not, we're probably going to blow it up anyway. I can think of two teams that come to mind, you tell me if there's any teams that come to mind for you. Uh, Miami Heat, that's one, because they locked themselves in the cap, and they've shown it. They haven't been able to go get that big free agent, so they have more incentive to give more than other people. Um, The next one will be the Milwaukee Bucks, because they've been on the verge of being good for a long time, and they just hadn't rolled over. So the Milwaukee Bucks is definitely a a team. A tricky one, the Washington Wizards. They were one of the ones on my list. Because you have John Wall, you had Bradley Beal, you have talent, but they've shown that they can't play well together. So if you're willing to send a Beal or a Wall for, to get a Jimmy Butler and you keep a Beal or a Wall with a Dwight Howard, I think you can really entice Jimmy, um, Jimmy Butler to stay. Because Wall, Jimmy Butler, and Dwight Howard, that team is top three in the East. I don't care what anyone says. Uh, no, I would agree with that. And if you can, I think you could probably figure out a way to keep all keep Bill and Wall and still get Jimmy Butler because I think yeah, that you give up Otto Porter. That's that what I was gonna say. Kelly. If you if you give up Otto Porter and Kelly Oubre and I don't know a pick, that's better than whatever Miami or the Nets are gonna give you. I mean, unless they're building around a package around Karis Levert or Justice Winslow, which I like. I like Porter and Oubre more, and I like and and Tib, those are Tibbs players more yeah, so. You're right. Then I, I mean, if they could put in the, I mean, I, I don't know if Tibbs would say no to an Otto Porter, Kelly Oubre, and uh, what's the backup point guard? Uh, uh, Zadaransky. Yeah, Zadaransky in a first. That's a, that's a pretty good deal for Minnesota. I mean, Zadaransky has shown that he can be a, he's long, he can handle the ball. 
That's a really good point guard. Then you give up an auto porter. But it's something about auto. I think he just re-signed. I don't think they, they can did. move auto to January. Yeah. So you probably would have to put in uh, Kelly Oop because they're going to do this way before the deadline. So it would have to be Sadoransky, probably Kelly Oubre, and maybe a Troy Brown. They just drafted him. Throw in a future draft pick. That's a pretty enticing package. So let me give you two more options. Okay, those are all Eastern teams. Let me give you two teams in the West. Um, New Orleans. I think that who are, who are you giving for them though? It depends. I mean, I I think that if you, I mean, Etwan Moore ain't shit. I mean, but I mean, I I don't know how you package Julius Randle. I think can't. I think oh yeah, because he just signed. I think that Julius, Alfred Payton, Drew Holiday. I think all those contracts are locked. They have they have shit to give. Yeah, I guess that's true, and they don't have a ton. I mean, I think that's one that's one place that if you're desperate and you want to keep and, Anthony Davis. Unless you like, what's the kid they drafted last year? They got hurt. Uh, Frank. Uh, uh, they got a rookie that they drafted that went to Duke. Uh, I can't remember his name. Frank something, but he went to Duke. He was a top. He was a top recruit, and he went there and he got hurt in preseason. So I don't know what people think about him, but that's kind of their only asset that that's movable. So the second team would be the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, ah, here you go with this shit. I mean, you think about it. If you have <laughs> uh, you have a team that that made the playoffs seven years in a row. In that grit and grind era, I mean, Jimmy Butler's a perfect grit and grind two-way player, and that is exactly what Memphis has needed forever. Um, you give hope to your franchise, to your fan base, and really, that's the only way you're going to get a, a Jimmy Butler caliber player outside of the draft. Is saying, "Hey, look, we've got Mike Conley, we've got Marcus All, and Jaron Jackson. Everyone else can go." And I think that that that's a team that where it's like, "Hey, you know what? If it doesn't work." Mark's 33 years old. We blow it up anyway. Mike Conley's 30 years old. We blow it up anyway. So for a year, we were right. You know, for seven years, we were right there. So Yeah, but Green Grind died with Collins leaving. What's his name? Hollins. Uh, uh, Hollins and Jagger, Jagger, whatever the name is. That, that shit's dead, man. It's, but it's I'm, not. I know you need a friend to tell you the truth. It's not. So I'm, you, I'm here you to have be to honest understand, with you. Like, that shit's being, dead. Being in that city, like understanding how the Grizzlies operate and how they work, and what they want to be, it, it is still those grit and grind mentalities because of it's more than just the style of play that you see on the basketball court. It's really an you know um, a way to embrace that city, the blue collar mentality. The we want guys who work on both ends of the floor, and Jimmy Butler's that guy. And I think that even if if you get Jimmy Butler for a year, it shows your fan base, hey, we're willing to do what we need to do to win and be what successful. What would they give though? Well, that's the thing. So you have Dylan Brooks. You have um, – I wouldn't give up Jaron Jackson. And the the real problem is you don't own your 2019 pick unless it, it's it's uh, top three protected, I think, or top five protected. But you can give up a 2020 pick, 2021 pick, um, as long as it's not realized by the Celtics by that point. But you can do some maneuvering to really give up. And it, I think that Jimmy Butler's a player worth going in on if you're Memphis. You're a year removed from making the playoffs seven years in a row. So – I, I disagree, and this is why I disagree. Nothing about what you said, not even about the talent. The problem is a small market teams, they have real trouble keeping players. So if you're trading for a Jimmy Butler that can opt out, it doesn't matter if he likes it. It's a good chance that he's going to opt out of that contract. Memphis, if they're going to do that, they need to trade for a player that has years left in the contract. Like Memphis should have traded for DeMar DeRozan, someone that's fresh off of re-signing. That's why I think San Antonio was smart. See, the reason why... 
the reason why the Pacers were able to do what they did and what why San Antonio were able to do what they did is because they were willing to take back years on the contract. That's what a small market team has to be willing to do. Minnesota, they're talking all this shit about they don't want to take on more contracts because of free agency. Fuck that. Because small market teams in Minnesota and even in San Antonio winning winning organization, you have trouble bringing people in. So in these trades, in order to get something back, you have to be able to take back years on a contract. That's why San Antonio got what they got. That's why the Pacers got what they got. They were willing to take on Victor Oladipo's contract. They were willing to take over DeMar DeRozan's contract. As long as the Minnesota Timberwolves are saying that they don't want to take on years in contract, then that's why they're going to get shit. But here's the problem with Memphis. You don't have a DeMar DeRozan or a Paul George or anyone close to it. So, you know, you're not bringing back the Oladipos and the Sabonises. You're not bringing back uh, a DeMar DeRozan, you know, if you're in case of San Antonio. Uh, you know, so that's what I'm saying. Like, But you had, you had a better chance of doing it when um, Toronto had a DeMar DeRozan. If Toronto had decided that they were going to give up on DeRozan, then you're the perfect team because you're willing to take on salary and you could have gave them a bunch of expiring contracts or just cap relief for to help them to get under the contract. But I don't think Toronto was going to make that move unless there was a quality star that they were going to... I mean, I I think that Toronto and Kawhi Leonard, I think that that just happened to work out perfectly. Or Otherwise, I think Toronto was going to ride it out another year with LeBron leaving the East to say, all right, let's see. He's gone. Let's see what we got. Our only competition really is Boston. Let's ride out one more year. If not, we blow it up. I think that was their plan. But then they decided to say, hey, we can upgrade. We're going to lose DeMar. We're going to move DeMar anyway. Let's see what we can do with Kawhi Leonard. Well, I'm not specifically talking about that situation. I'm just talking about Memphis in general because that's what that's essentially what Phoenix did. They gave Bledsoe to Milwaukee for a ton of shit just to get Afrin under the contract to free up cap space. That's what small market teams have to do. You have to take on some contract that you don't like. I don't care. I mean, they're not going to go out the white side, but I'm talking about team th- things like that. Go get a white side. Go get someone that's locked into a contract and that team is underachieving. That's what you need to do. But I don't want to spend too much time on Memphis, go go back to Minnesota. But that's one of the reasons why I think Miami's in prime position to get uh to get Jimmy Butler. He said that's a destination he'll resign. Pat Riley's aggressive. They've been in the free agent market and they've missed the last three years. So they're they're more motivated than any other team to go after Jimmy because if he hits the open market, they're gonna have trouble because of their cap situation. I know it doesn't sound like in, that enticing, but if you can give them a a first uh, next year. And then a first in 2023 and package some form of talent or cap relief, that's probably going to be their best option because nobody else seems like they're that aggressive in trying to get them. They're, I'm hearing that Phoenix Suns is getting involved. They're interested in either Teague or Dragic. Um, Sacramento is willing to take on bad contracts. So this deal can be made. Man, you are just like Charles Barkley. You country, you can't pronounce <laughs> names correctly. The man's name is Dragic, not Dragic. Okay, damn. <laughs> let let, well, let, let me tell thing. you something, Ernie. Uh, Char- Charles is a respected part of the media. Did I tell you I met Charles Barkley one time? It's one of my favorite players ever, man. I actually I don't like Charles Barkley. That's why I told you I need to fix my speech because I don't want to sound like fucking Charles. I'm, I'm gonna tell this story on the air, but uh, we were, I was at a casino in Arizona, which uh, Charles Barkley frequents, and I saw him walk by me as I was headed to the bathroom, and I was like, "Oh shit, that's Charles Barkley." And so uh, I went in there. I, I was already going to the bathroom anyway, but uh, he was in the bathroom. I was in the bathroom, so he went to wash his hands. I was washing my hands, and I looked at him. I said, hey, man, I just want you to know I'm a big fan of you. 
And he goes, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. What's your name? And I was like, uh, my, my name? Uh, my name is Marcus. <laughs> and he goes, all right, Marcus, nice to meet you. Gave me a fist bump. And uh, man, I almost didn't wash my hands after that. <laughs> <laughs> so you got starstruck. Man, you, but Charles Barkley is truly one of my favorite players of all time. I, I love Chuck. I, I, I like his personality. He's crazy as hell. But, yeah, it was just one of those things to where typically I don't get starstruck. But, yeah, it was a big deal for me, me, one of my favorite NBA players, man. So, you know. Yeah, I, I've never been a huge like get starstruck when I saw a player. This is never really gave a shit, but I mean, it's big to meet people. Just not really my thing. Well, see, I waited but, on uh, Justin Timberlake and uh, Jessica Biel back when I lived in Memphis, and I wasn't that impressed. I was like, oh yeah, cool. She's pretty. He's cool. Uh, you know. But I, I was, it was just one of those things. I was like, meh. But for some <laughs> reason, Charles Barry. I, I don't know what it is. It, it could be my love for the NBA. I just I love I you know I love Charles Barkley man that's when I met Pal Gasol same thing I was like oh shit this is awesome so you know that's pretty cool. So before we get out of here, I did want to touch on another Minnesota thing. Cat um, got an extension, five year, one hundred and ninety million dollars. That was kind of the the fuck you to Jimmy Butler and the we're supporting Cat. Do you think Cat was worth that with Tibbs? I I don't I think after they move Jimmy Butler I don't think Minnesota makes the playoffs this year and I think that that uh, Thibodeau's fired um, because he would have missed the playoffs I think three out of four years or two out of three years one or the other so I don't think Tibbs is long for the for the franchise so yeah Carl Anthony Towns is 22 years old and he's still one of the best assets in the NBA um, but it's very evident that he has regressed under Tom Thibodeau. And as I've said all along, I don't believe Tom Thibodeau is a, is a 2018 NBA head coach. Um, his style was built for the 90s, early 2000s, but it just doesn't work today. So, yeah, I, I would have given Cat the deal. You just, again, you're you're a small market team. Well, Minnesota's not a small market, but in the it NBA, is. you are. Minnesota's a small market team. That's one of the biggest cities in the country. Um, yeah, but that that's not what they're talking no, about. No, I get it, but... You know, so you kind of have to pay Cat. You can't let him walk because you're not going to see another player like that. I mean, they hadn't seen a player like that since Garnett. So you're talking about a decade in between. You you had to do it. And I, I don't think Tibbs is long for the conversation because I would argue that um, Minnesota was actually doing better uh, under, what was his name, Sam uh, Sam Smith? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. If, I can't remember if it was Sam Smith, but I agree with you. Um yeah, I mean, I think Thibs or Tibbs, whatever, I think he is holding Cat back. I mean, it's just uncanny for me to be watching Minnesota play Houston and every time they switch Chris Paul or James Harden on seven-foot Cat and he can't score under the basket. And I'm thinking back to two years ago, this dude was putting up like 30 and 20. Oh, How you, can he not do a post move? I would have put money on, on Cat being the best if not one of the two best big men in the league at that point now i mean he's still in there just because it's not a, a deep position but they should have they they should have they should have dominated houston and forced them to change their whole strategy just by giving the ball to cat every play if if and this is another reason why i think that they may need to just get white side i mean if you want to play cat out on the perimeter and let him shoot threes and do all that shit, then you need somebody in the interior that you know can rebound and get you extra possessions. Because having Cat at the five and Taj Gibson at the four 
and Gordon Zhang at the four, it's not getting it done. So you need to put a rim protector there and let Cat hang around the perimeter and just go twin towers like that. If not, get rid of Thibs and change your whole strategy because the shit they're doing is not going to work. I agree. Um, all right, y'all, that's it. That's all. We got NBA preseason kicking off this week. We are two weeks away from preseason or from the NBA season, guys. So um, we'll talk a little bit more next week about LeBron and the Lakers and, and really hit on some of those stories that you may be looking for. But as I said last week when we broke down the Utah Jazz uh, <laughs> potential lineups or what they could have had if they kept Gordon Hayward, we spent a lot of time on Minnesota. That's what we do, guys. We want you to know that we are true NBA fans. So if you're looking for an NBA podcast, kick it here. We're going to keep banging on the uh, the NFL and other sports as well, but our bread truly is buttered in the NBA. So we hope you all enjoy yeah, Half it. the show will definitely, at least half the show will be NBA talk. Um, but yeah, as always, you can follow us on two, the number two smart dummies. That's D U M M I E S on Instagram. So at two smart dummies or on Twitter at two smart dummies. If you want to email us in long form and tell us how stupid I sound because I talk like Charles Barkley <laughs> or how you hate Marcus's voice and how long winded he is, just go to smart dummies two at Gmail. Um, I'm always willing to respond, argue, and talk about anything. I'm on there a lot. So, yeah, reach out to us. That's it. That's all. Y'all have a great week. Peace. Peace.